Daniel chapter 4. This is our third morning on the title, When It All Goes Wrong. When It All Goes Wrong. Verse 1. Nebuchadnezzar the king unto all people, nations and languages that dwell in all the earth. Peace be multiplied unto you. I thought it good to show you the signs and wonders that the high God hath wrought toward me. How great are his signs. How mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And his dominion is from generation to generation. Let's stop there. Let's burn a word of prayer. Father, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your blessing. Thank you, Lord, for your sailing upon our meeting when your presence is in our midst. Thank you, Lord, that you are our Father, which art in heaven. And we would say, hallowed be thy name. Father, we love you, and we worship you, and through your Son, the Lord Jesus. And we just ask you now to take what we would say and strengthen the hearts of your people. We ask you, Lord, that you would encourage them, build them up upon their most holy faith. We ask you, Father, in Jesus' name, that you would speak and deal with each and every one of us. As our faces differ, so do our needs, Lord, and you know every single need of every heart. You know the the homes we have left behind, the week that we have had, the morning, whatever, Lord. You know the circumstances. And we thank you, Lord, that you know it. Because then, Lord, you deal with it. We just worship you this morning, Lord Jesus, and be the center of all that we are this morning. Be the center of all that we say, and may you be glorified in the midst. In your name we ask it. Amen. Amen. As I said, this is the the third week of when it all goes wrong, and more than likely it will be the last week, or God willing, it will be the last week. And just a little synopsis of where we've been so far. Nebuchadnezzar in our reading, notice he's given praise and he's speaking about the God of heaven. He's speaking how great, how great he is, how great are his signs and his wonders, speaking how glorious really he is, and he's praising the Lord, and this is an afterthought. You know, whenever we're going through things and everything goes wrong, A lot of people, they run away from the Lord instead of toward the Lord. Instead of burying themselves in Him, they run away and they run to family. It's natural for us all to do this. We run to friends. We look for this and that and the other thing. We we put our confidence in things that will fail us and will falter and will let us down. And all the time the living God is there. Even as we sang, lift your eyes to heaven. You know, instead of lifting our eyes, as it were, to heaven, trusting in our Father, which is in heaven, instead of relying completely and totally upon Him, we tend tend to, to run away. Look at other things. We look at what can help us in this circumstance and situation. That's natural, by the way. I'm not condemning anyone. But what we should be doing is placing first and foremost, before all things, running into the place where God is. That is, the secret place of prayer. 
and leaving it all at his feet, coming and saying, Father, I can't, but you can. I'm unable, but you're able. This is impossible with me, but the things that are impossible with men are possible with God. Here we have a king. As I said, he's not, a, he's not of the covenant nation of Israel, but never, nevertheless, at this time I want to look at the history because the Lord is always working out and it's like a, it's like a patchwork quilt. God is working everywhere. In other words, in your life this morning, God is working. In my life, God is working. In someone else's life, God is working. In every believer's life, God is not only working in us, but he's working for us. And he is preparing something that you could never imagine for you. I have not seen nor ear heard, and neither hath it entered enter the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Do you love him this morning? Here, people think that it's my world, my circle. It's my life, my circumstance. And we look inward. One old preacher once says, men have the tendency to sit and study their own navel. And when we sit and study, as it were, our own navel, we find we don't get anywhere than the, further than the flesh, and we don't get anywhere further than our navel, as it were, than passing ourselves and what's happening in our lives. The impossibilities are too great. Things are too big. We cannot cope. It's all around us. Everything's surrounding us. But yet, we don't realize as believers, and born-again believers, that the Holy Spirit is within us. And the God who spoke the worlds into being, who framed the worlds by the word of his power and upholds everything, causes the moon to turn around the earth and the earth to turn around the sun. And every star to shine in the firmament and for every star to stay in its place, for everything to be in its orbit, for the bird in flight right down to you and I upon this earth. The God who created the earth for you and I to walk on. He is within you. If you're saved, he's within you. And you're his child. God is preparing people. God is preparing other situations for your good. And you and I are walking through time and place. You and I are walking in today. You and I are walking, sitting here now. We're, we'll get out, we'll go and have our lunch. We'll come back this evening to the meeting tonight, won't we? <laughs> I hope we all will. We'll come back to the meeting tonight. See, we're through time. We're waiting on, on the change. We're looking for it. We all do. And we think sometimes when we're in the bad times that we're looking for the change of circumstance. We're looking for God's glory. Things don't seem to be happening, but God right down the line is already working on your behalf. Suddenly, as it were, the Lord comes to his temple. Suddenly, things seem to change. Suddenly, someone comes with a confirmation of a word. Suddenly, a circumstance changes. Suddenly, a door opens when the other one has closed. 
Suddenly we get the good news, the great report, good results. Suddenly God has worked together for our good. And you and I think that God has worked together for our good suddenly, but God is always working together for our good. God's working for your benefit right now. The Lord loves you and he's working for your benefit as you sit this morning. God is preparing things for your life. God has a plan and a purpose for you. You might think, well, I've just, I've just come in this morning as usual, or maybe you've come in and it's been your first or second or whatever time, and you think, well, maybe God hasn't got a plan for me. God has, but there's a lot of times we walk out of God's plan, and God has to allow circumstances and situations to change when we walk out of his will, that we will be called back into his will. We understand when we walk one way, we walk down a road, and we're heading straight ahead, we're walking with the Lord, we tend to veer to the left or the right, we drift to the side. Suddenly we're veering far off, turning away almost from God, and God allows things to happen that we can see his great love, and he calls us with that love. God isn't giving you the problems and the sickness and and the hurt and the stress, no, no. We're walking into that, away from God. God is showing us the open door of love and calling us into it. See, what the devil means for evil, God means for good. What's the hymn writer say? When I would wander from the path astray, still he will draw me back into the way. In the darkest valley, I need fear no will, for he, my shepherd, will be with me still. King Nebuchadnezzar is now looking back in our reading. He is rejoicing at what God has done, but what he came through, he wasn't rejoicing in it. But God had a plan for Nebuchadnezzar. You know why? Because ultimately, God was going to change his heart. You know why? Because ultimately, God had his people captive to Nebuchadnezzar. God was causing relief to come to his people. Do you know sometimes when you think that people in the world are doing great and things seem to be going swimmingly well for them, that you think, hi, is it, Lord, that I am going through these things? Can I tell you something? God could bless the socks of someone who doesn't know him if he wishes. But he could bless him in order to change his heart to bless you. Nebuchadnezzar, he's rejoicing and just a little synopsis is, he should have known better what had happened to him before it happened. He was warned. He was told. He was given a promise. He was given if you want, almost a covenant, even though he's not one of the God's covenant people, but he was given a promise that he would recover. But he would recover for God's glory. And you know, God causes us to recover. When we get answered prayer, it's not for your glory, and it's not for my glory. When we get answered prayer, it's not for us to, to heap things upon our own lust, forget God and run away again. It's for God to receive the glory and for us to have communion and fellowship with him and glorify his name and what he has done in us, through us, and for us. 
said this before, sometimes we're crying unto God, we're praying our hearts out, we're almost eating the altar rails for a want of a better word, although we don't have that altar in here, but you know, we're eating the altar rails as it were. Oh Lord, if you do this and if you do that, and we're worried here, and we're stressful there, and God, he moves things around for us, he works for our good, and when it happens, We stop praying. We stop even coming to meetings. We stop praising him. We stop following him until things all go wrong again. And then we say, Lord, where are you? Why did you let this happen? And the Lord says, I never went anywhere. I never withdrew my blessing from you. You walked away from it. Nebuchadnezzar, heathen king. Chapter 2, he's given a dream. Let me say this briefly, just to move quickly. Chapter 2, he has a dream. Daniel interprets a dream. He sees a man with a head of gold, arms of silver, and chest of silver. If you can picture this, I'll do maybe a study in greater depth on it, maybe sometime. And here's the chest of arms of silver, then you have the, the belly or the midriff of brass. Then you have the legs of iron. And then you have the feet uh, of iron and clay. And he's wondering what this dream is. Daniel interprets, he says, Thou art the head of gold. Your kingdom is the kingdom of gold. Then there will come another kingdom which has the two arms of silver and the breast of silver. He says, that is another kingdom to come after yours. That's the kingdom of silver. That would be the Medo-Persian kings, the two arms. Then after that, he says, there's the brass kingdom, which would be the Grecian empire that would come, Alexander the Great. And then after that, you have the legs of iron, which is the Roman empire. Then after that, there's iron and clay and the ten toes and so on. The splitting of the two legs. That's all prophetical right to this day. So Daniel tells him what this dream is. Thou art the head of gold. Your kingdom, you're the head. God has blessed you, even though it's called, it's called common grace. We all drink the same water which God has blessed us with when the rain falls. We all bathe in the same sunshine God has blessed us with when we, when we want a little bit of sunshine. We all eat of the same crops that grow out of the ground, whether saved or unsaved. Common grace it's called. Or as the Dutch reformers called it, general grace. We all do that. Nebuchadnezzar, God has allowed you to accumulate. God has blessed you for a reason, a plan, and a purpose. Nebuchadnezzar gets the the pride of life, and the lust of the eye, you know, the lust of the flesh, and he gets the swelled head. Thou art the head of gold. That's in Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 3, he makes a pillar of gold, and everyone has to fall down and buy and worship it. And of course we're told that uh, that after the, the, the pillar of gold you go into Daniel chapter 4 where we are now. You see how God says you're as a great tree. A great tree whose branches the founds of the air or the other nations are all under your, your, your great tree. I likened it last week only it's a mirror image of, 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 the, of the British Commonwealth where all the other nations are in under the Commonwealth. And here we have the great tree. The, the, the beast of the field come in under it and it gives the idea that there's commerce in it and there's, there, there's strength in it. He says, God has blessed you like this. But in Daniel chapter 4, 
Let's read the verses. Uh, verse. For time's sake, let, let's read verse 10. Thus were the visions of mine head in mine bed. I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth, and the height thereof was great. And the tree grew and was strong, and the height thereof reached unto heaven, and the sight thereof unto the end of all the earth. And the leaves thereof were fair, and the fruit thereof much. And then it was meat, meant meat for all. The beasts of the field had, shat, had shadow under it, and the fowls of the heaven dwelt in the boughs thereof, and all the flesh was fed off it. All flesh came. In other words, you're the great head of gold. Now he, he gets people to worship the gold standard. That's where you get your gold monetary standard today, by the way. Let's worship the gold. That's why Paul says, the love of money is the root of all evil. Not having money, or not even being rich, but loving it, holding it. Nebuchadnezzar loved it, he held it. He brought in from everyone, he robbed, he kept, he held on to. He didn't give to God too. There's something for those who don't tithe, by the way, just in case. God gives you a good job. Pay back what you owe God. Or maybe he could take it off you. Here we have the love of money as the root of all evil. Not having money or being rich. It's the root. And evil springs from it. That's why there's wars. That's why there's battles. That's why we're in Afghanistan. That's why we're in Iraq or we're in Iraq. That's why they're fighting down. They're going to talk about fighting in the Falkland Islands again. Because they found oil wells and gas pipe, uh, gas fields over there. Trillions of pounds worth. See, it's the love of it, it's the greed of it, the oil of the Middle East. Everything is greedy, it's robbery. Let's kill for it. And it all springs from this. Having mammon. That's why Jesus says you can't serve God and mammon. Seek the, the kingdom of God first. And then all these things are added on to you. If you seek God, God blesses you in abundance and God will give you more than your, your heart's desire. God's, God, God's uh, performances outstrip his promises. Nebuchadnezzar, he was made this pillar and now he, he, he has this dream, dream of a tree. Everything's coming to me. And then the Lord says, cut down the tree. Let's read this. Verse 14, just for time's sake, please. And he cried aloud, and thus saith, Hew down the tree, cut off his branches, shake off his leaves, scatter his fruit, let the beast get away from under it, and the fowls from his branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump of his, of his roots in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass. He says, look, cut it down, take it from him. He said, the Lord says, We're gonna, you're going to lose your kingdom. You've glorified yourself and not me. We looked last week at the building of, of uh, Babylon, the city. We looked at the, the dimensions. Two million men employed to work on it. 60 miles in circumference. 50 roads going through it. 15 miles long each going from one end to the other. He builds his wife a 400 foot high mountain in the middle of the city. Surrounds it with palaces. And he starts naming everything after the gods that are around him. And giving them the glory. Do you know God says that he would not share his glory with any man? 
And when you and I think that we have earned it in our own right, whether that's salvation, or whether that's blessing in our life, and we start attributing it to ourselves, yes, people work hard, yes, people deserve to live right and live good, there's nothing wrong with that, we're not saying anything against that, but what we're saying is we build our own kingdoms, and forget the God who gave them to us. The Lord says in his mercy and his grace and in his love, cut it down. Go and teach him a lesson. But leave the stump. Leave the roots. I'll cause it to grow. That was his promise to Nebuchadnezzar. So Nebuchadnezzar, he goes mad. Loses everything. His mind. We talked about that. I want to start here with an inscription we read last week. If you remember, we talked about the city. Belshazzar comes later on, and Nebuchadnezzar is still, if you want, this empire's leader. Nebuchadnezzar, his name comes from the word Nebo, which means Mercury, or foreteller. It's where we get the word Hermes. In other words, he is the man who speaks for God. One who sits in the place of God, comes from Nimrod. He who is the vicar on the earth. Hello? I told you the city had a gate, or a wall rather, an outer wall called Nemiti Bell, which means the foundation of Bell. It had an inner wall, which meant was, was called Imgur Bell. Bell has been gracious. And it had a great gate called Ishtar. Ishtar gives the idea of fertility and plentiness. As if we go in here and you have the procession road or the sacred way right into the city, right into where Bell's, or Nebuchadnezzar was. Look at me, he says. Look what I have built. Listen to the inscription, this ancient inscription that is written. And it was found on a clay tablet. Now, this is a literal clay tablet that was found in ancient Babylon when they excavated where it was. I, quote, I want to quote it again. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, the mighty lord, the chosen of Merodach. By the way, Merodach means death and slaughter. He who is the great rebel of Jehovah. When you go into Genesis 10, as we've brought you into, he talks about Nimrod building the tower of Babel to heaven and God scattering it and racking the tower. It says that he was a mighty hunter. If you go into some of the, the, the Jewish writings, it actually means that he was a mighty hunter of men before God who would not bow down to worship him. He hunted them down for they wouldn't take his doctrine in their head nor have fellowship with them with the right hand. And he hunted them down like wild animals and slaughtered them before the Lord and the Lord saw it. Here is one of their gods again. Marodach means death and slaughter. A man of war, great rebel against Jehovah. He says, the mighty Lord chose of Marodach, the worshipper of Nebo, the king vicar. Now Nebuchadnezzar has written this. The king vicar who judges without injustice. I have built like a mountain. I have built it Babylon. I have Strength and entirely protected the whole country of Babylon. 
By thy help, O mighty Morodach, I have built this house. Who gets the glory but someone else? And Jehovah says, is that right? We'll see about that. Can I ask you, I'm saying this because I love you. See in your life, who is getting the glory? See in your lifestyle, who gets the glory? When people look at us, does Jesus get the glory? When people see how we react and how we speak and our very demeanor as we walk around, does Jesus get the glory? Are we glorifying him? With what God has given us, do we glorify him? Or do we or someone else or something else get the glory? Look at Daniel chapter 4, verse 29. The Lord says he's going to cut this tree down. Verse 29, at the end of 12 months, this is Nebuchadnezzar now, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. So you see Nebuchadnezzar's walking around this palace. 12 months after it says cut down the tree. Isn't that the way it always is? God gives us the word and the promises to live by because he loves us and this is what I want to do for you. This is how I want to bless you. Is this not the way it is for people who are unsaved and never received Christ as Savior? You tell them that judgment is coming and they don't believe it. They don't think it. You tell them that who knows what holds to, what tomorrow holds and who knows when that last day will come and, and, and there's people taken suddenly by accident or sickness or whatever and they go out into eternity. They're launched out without Christ. And they wouldn't take it on board and believe that there was a, a judgment ahead of them either. Never happened. Twelve months ago, cut down the tree. Now twelve months later, God gave him time to think about it. But he didn't know how long he had. Twelve is a number of God's perfect government, by the way. Twelve apostles. Twelve patriarchs of, of, of Jacob's sons. Twelve tribes of Israel. God's perfect working out and perfect government. Twelve gates and the new Jerusalem, as it were. Twelve foundations. God's perfect government is applied in this. So he's walking in his palace. Verse 30, the king spake and said, Nebuchadnezzar said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom of the might of my power, for the honor of my majesty. Oh, how prideful he is and puffed up. Didn't take what God was saying to him 12 months ago. For while the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. Notice, a word in a man's mouth, who claimed to be God, but a word from God came from heaven. I'd rather have God's word any day. A word from God dropped from heaven. Saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from thee. And they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make thee to eat grass as the oxen, and seven times shall pass over thee until that thou 
until thou know that the Most High ruleth over the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will. Says Nebuchadnezzar, you need to realize, you need to understand that I am in charge, that I am the sovereign Lord God, creator of the heaven and the earth, and what I decide to do happens, not what man. You know what I want you to see in this before we're finished? I want you to see not only God working on behalf of Judah here, that is, the Jews who carried into Babylon, not only working on behalf of them to bring them ease and comfort in their strife, but to see God's plan and purpose worked out that they would be changed, that a remnant would come out, those who truly wanted him and worshipped him, God would release to bring out, to build the walls in the temple of Jerusalem again, that Jesus would come and be born and die at Calvary at Jerusalem. That's the plan. That the gospel would go to the west, that the gospel would go to the east, to the north and to the south. That the gospel would be uh, preached in all four corners around the world. That you would be reached and God would bless you, save you, redeem you, forgive you. That God would call you because when the kingdom comes, remember the kingdoms in Daniel chapter 2 we talked about? Head and silver and brass and iron and iron and clay. Then it says there's a stone that comes that's not cut out without hands. In other words, this is natural. This isn't natural. This is supernatural. It's, it's, it's not man made. It's God made. It's a big rock, as it were, rolls out, smashes the image. And as it smashes the image, it fills the whole earth, becomes a big mountain, fills the whole earth. That's God's plan. The, the stone kingdom of God on the earth. God has a plan for you in his kingdom. So, for time's sake, we'll not read, but Nebuchadnezzar has seven times passed over him. Now, seven times can be seven, uh, 360 days for a circle, a circumference of running is 360. It can be literal days or it can be weeks of years, what's known. Seven times 360, 2,520 literal days. For seven years, Nebuchadnezzar lost his mind. For seven years, Nebuchadnezzar was cast out from among men. Here's a couple of things for you to jot down as we try and round this up. I could do about another 10 weeks on this, but I'm going to try and round this up for you. Here's something to write down. Here's the lessons. A couple of quick lessons. One. Lesson one is to learn that when our circumstances change, we should acknowledge that nothing is secure in this world. Once we get it into our mind, we'll not be disappointed. Nothing is secure in this world. It changes. Our security is in Christ. Our security is in who he is. For example, the Lord Jesus says in Matthew 6 and 19 and 20, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth, but in heaven. In other words, serve the Lord. Make sure your riches are toward God. You're rich in, in spirit toward him. For his kingdom, when it comes, will smash all other kingdoms. So I say this word, I mean this cosmos, this system of things. Nothing is secure in it. Secondly, we should learn that 
And we should understand that it is not within our own strength, nor is it within our own power to change everything around us. But we can change ourselves in order to deal and to speak and to cope with it. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4, please. And let your eye run down just a verse. We'll just lift one verse out for the moment. Verse 11. The Apostle Paul says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned, in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. So Paul, you're a wee Christian now. Sit there, do nothing, and let the world dictate. Sit there and do nothing, and just act like you're powerless. And, well, that's the cards you've been dealt. That's not what this means. The idea here is to learn It gives the idea, I have learned, it means I am able to enter into a new condition. To be conditioned in Christ. Learn to enter into a new condition to deal with the circumstance. Not that the circumstance dictates to you. We may not be able to touch everything, but we can touch something. Paul says, I've learned. And if Paul has to learn, I have to learn. You have to learn. We'll always be learning. I have learned, he says. In whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. It means I have learned to enter into a new condition, to be content. In other words, to be independent of external circumstances, to be the master of that situation. In other words, now hold on a wee minute. These things are coming against me. I'm your child. I'm a child of God. Of the Holy Ghost in me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Hold on a wee second. The doctor gave us a report. Let's go pray for this person. Changing our mind to change our heart. To deal with the circumstance. Not the circumstance changing our heart to lie down and die. Brothers and sisters, we need to change our minds according to the word of God that we will be changed from the inside to the out in our thinking, in our mentality, in our actions, in our speech, that we will take charge of things instead of laying down under them. And saying, do you know my Lord? He's the one who spoke all the words into being. His name is the Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name. Thirdly, we must acknowledge Almighty God and give him all the glory due to his name for every good gift and every perfect gift is from him. James 1, 17. Fourthly, we must see the hand of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, the love of God in our troubled times. We might feel like a stump. I was talking to Mark during the week and had him laughing. Talking about things, you know, you go into things. I've been in a place where... (laughs) Mark and others, I'm sure we all have, but I've been in a place where everything was stripped from me. And you're cast aside like an outcast at times. You see, when you have money, people want to know you. And see, when you're in the world and you have money, you go into a bar, you have, you have all the friends in the world. No, everybody wants to sit at your table. See, when you don't, it's a different story. 
And I've been cast aside and told not to minister because, you know, well, we don't want you to minister in our church. You can sit there. I've, I've had all this turned away. And I've had it all where you've been put out. And I've had it bad to the point where even in my mind, I thought I was losing my mind. Not at all. My body gets sick with it. But the word of God spoke. The Lord told me he was bringing us out. That this was for a season. This was going to be for our making. That he was working all things together. And making it all for my good and Alison's good. That he was going to bless us. And sure he has. I've been stumpy. <laughs> talking to Mark about this and we were laughing at it I says hey I should have called it the return of Stompy Stompy returns <laughs> well listen maybe you're Stompy today maybe you're Humpy today but maybe you're Stompy today <laughs> and if you're Stompy today God hasn't cut you out of the ground he hasn't plucked you up and thrown you away you know what he's doing? He's pruning back the tree. He's pruning back the vine. It's a cleansing when you take all the old bits off that you may flourish and bloom in his presence. And you know, when the Lord Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan, he goes right into the wilderness and for 40 days and 40 nights he's hungry and he's thirsty. He hasn't drank and he hasn't ate. And the old devil comes to tempt him and to test him. I speak with all reverence. The Lord had nothing out there. He was like that root out of a dry ground, as Isaiah calls him. He was like that stump. But his father was watching him. His father was watching him. And note the father says, he shall grow up as a root. Out of a dry ground. He didn't say he will stagnate like a little flower or bud. He shall grow. Talking of Christ. And you and I in Jesus. You might feel that you are losing everything. It's all going wrong. What do we do when it all goes wrong? What do we sing? Turn your eyes to heaven. Give your all to Jesus. And he will cause you to flourish and grow. God's mercy was to Nebuchadnezzar. Even though you don't deserve it, and none of us deserve it. Even though he says, you're an old heathen, you didn't want me. And sure, none of us wanted him. Sure, we didn't. None of us wanted him before we were saved. He says, even though you don't want me, he says, I love you. And he loved you, brother. He loved you, sister. And I'll change you. Why? That I will also release, even more down the line, I will release my covenant people. I have to finish. Thank you for your attention. The seven times it went over Nebuchadnezzar would be for the ease of God's people. The house of Judah were captive. Quickly, briefly, one, Psalm 137, to show you their heart. And this is me finished. Thank you for your attention. Psalm 137. Now, you're all going to know this as soon as we turn to it. 
Boniem ruined it. By the rivers of Babylon where we sat down. Yea, we, wept, we remembered Zion. Who remembers that song? There's a few remember that. They destroyed this psalm, didn't they? Well, anyhow, let's read this. By the rivers of Babylon, here are Judah sitting. Those, most of the Jews, they went way after the other gods. They, they, they actually mingled with them. They married them and, and they brought out the, the, the twisted demonic uh, scriptures from it also. And that was what was in our Lord's day when he says, You're off your father the devil. They brought it out of Babylon. But here we have a group of, of, of Judaites who are sitting and they're saying, Oh, we miss, we miss the temple. We miss the place where God's presence is. Our hearts are so low. Everything's taken from them. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept and we remembered Zion. We hanged our harps on the willows in the midst thereof. And there they that carried us away captive required of us a song. And they that wasted us, notice, they wasted us. See the word wasted? Notice it gives the idea of, it gives the idea they were so harsh, they were howling, not singing. Howling with the agony of it. Howling with all that was going on. Oh, they wasted us. They took every bit of God out of us, he says. In other words, they took us away from the temple. They, they destroyed our lives. They that wasted us required of us mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. Notice what they say. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Notice. They're worshipping one moment, and they're in Babylon the next. And the Babylonians come and say, Sing one of your songs. Making fun of them. Making light of them. Isn't that what happens when you're down? The devil kicks you. And they hang their harps on the willows. How can we sing the Lord's song? Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. Notice they didn't say, we wept when the enemy attacked. We wept because we were badly treated. We wept because we were hurt. We wept because nobody liked us. We wept because of this, that, or the other. No, they wept with a godly sorrow unto repentance. Oh, we wept when we remembered Zion. We miss the presence of God. We miss God's house. We must give him glory and honor. And do you know, there was a study in America going around different churches, and one man says, you know, if the Holy Ghost was taken out of church, 60 to 70 percent, they believed, of the church would still continue on without the Holy Ghost. Because it was all ritual, because it was all ceremony, and because it was all uh, programs and the Spirit of God wasn't moving. He wasn't there. And I wonder, brother, sister, in our lives, do we miss him, as it were, though he never leaves us? Do we miss his, the consciousness of him in our lives whenever we are walking astray, when we are not in that place with him? Do you miss him? Because I do. And many a time I'd sit and say, Oh, I miss you, Lord. I miss you. And the Lord says, Well, where are you going? I haven't went anywhere. What do we do when it all goes wrong? There's more there, but sure, maybe some other time we'll look at that and go into it in more depth. 
When it all goes wrong, turn your all to him. Give him the glory for all you have belongs to him. And he's working out his plan and purpose in your life. Trust him with all your heart. And he will bring it to pass. God bless his word. Thank you for your attention.